As we jump back into our study in John, we are going to finish John chapter 8 today. So I'm going to start reading in John 8 verse 31, and I will read through verse 59. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say... You will become free. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. 
So, uh, what I want to do today, instead of walking through this text, you guys have some great questions there to discuss what's going on here in John chapter 8. What I want to do is to give actually a little bit of a backstory. You know, what is it about these people that makes them so uh, prideful in the fact that they are quote-unquote children of Abraham? And why, when they get to the end of this story in John 8, do they pick up stones to throw and kill Jesus? Oh, there's a book that I've read. It's a, a great book. It's called The Mystery of Christ by Samuel Renahan. And I, w- I just want to read a page out of this book where he explains what was going on with the covenant that God made with Abraham. I think if we understand this covenant with Abraham, then we can understand why the Jews were responding in this way. A covenant is simply a uh, relationship that is heightened because it comes with legal a legal contract. It comes with a legally binding commitments and promises and sanctions. And so as I read this, just keep that in mind, that he's talking about the covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and Genesis 17. So this is Samuel Renahan. He says, The children of Abraham were a marvelously blessed people. Sadly, throughout their life as a nation, Israel became overinflated with pride. They often divided the world into the circumcised and uncircumcised. The uncircumcised are always spoken of in derogatory terms as those who were unclean, not chosen, not special, to be excluded, to be avoided, to be conquered, to be mocked. The Israelites turned circumcision into a badge of pride. They were always eager to appeal to God's special favor and promises, but they were very rarely eager to recognize the transnational purpose of their own existence, or to give two seconds of thought to the threatened curses in circumcision. It is important to notice how Genesis 12, 15, and 17 build on each other. Some have strongly contrasted Genesis 15 and 17 because Genesis 15 seems to be unilateral and guaranteed, while Genesis 17 seems to be bilateral and conditional. But all these elements of the Abrahamic covenant go together. God promised Abraham that he would multiply his descendants into nations with kings that would dwell in Canaan after a time of slavery, and that from these numerous descendants an offspring would be born, who would mediate blessing to the world. As for Abraham and his descendants, they must keep God's commands, particularly circumcision, or else they forfeit participation in the promised blessings. So let's just pause there for a second. The first thing we see uh, him say here is that the reason that uh, these Jews take pride in being Abraham's descendants is because they saw that as being their proof that they were God's special chosen people. But what they misunderstood is that the reason God had chose them was not to condemn the other nations. The reason God had chosen them was so that they would bless the other nations. And the reason that God had chosen them is that the Messiah would come through their family. But they had taken pride in their family rather than seeing why God had called them. The other thing that's important is this, this, that this covenant, covenant with Abraham has both 
conditional and unconditional aspects. So some aspects of it will happen no matter what, while other aspects of it uh, are hinged on their obedience. Let me keep reading Samuel Renahan. He says, The apparent tension between God's guaranteed promises and the threats of expulsion from the kingdom for disobedience is resolved in that although the promises were nationally guaranteed, they were not individually guaranteed. God kept his promises. Abraham's descendants did multiply. They did inherit Canaan. The promised seed was born, but not every Israelite enjoyed the full benefits of God's blessings. So if we are to ask, in what sense was the Abrahamic covenant unconditional? Well, it was unconditional in that God would not uh, pick up a plan B for bringing the Messiah into the world, even if Israel disobeyed. But the conditional aspect, and this is what we see in John 8, is that individuals who belong to the nation of Israel could, by their lack of faith and because of their disobedience, be cut off from the blessing and the inheritance. Later in the book, Samuel Renahan says this, The Israelite covenants offered earthly blessings to Abraham's descendants and disinherited those who were disobedient, but they carried the promise of another covenant, the new covenant, in that they promised the one who would bless freely, and the blessing he brought was the new covenant. And so the whole reason Israel existed was to bring forth Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, If you do not accept me, then you never knew my father, and you were never true sons of Abraham. Enjoy your discussion.